This podcast is a production of Phoenix Media. Explore more episodes of this show and other great shows on the Phoenix Media Podcast Network by visiting phoenixmedia.us. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the company or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners. and welcome to episode 70 of the Proton Pack podcast. I'm Chris. With me always is the Michelangelo to my Leonardo. Say hey, Tone. Hey, everybody. Go Bunga! I like turtles. Go Bunga! <laughs> I like turtles. Go Bunga! Hey, everybody. Episode 70 of the Proton Pack with Chris and Tony. Another new episode. What is, what is today's date? June 15th? No, it's June seventh. Boy, I, June, no, no, it's the eighth. It's Tuesday, June eighth. <laughs> See, you're off. You thought it was Monday. The seventh. The calendar. I'm thinking it's the fifteenth. Oh, I don't know. I can keep a day straight. June eighth, <laughs> episode seventy. What up, everybody? Yeah, June, June's a weird month to begin with. So uh, yeah. either way, dates are hard. Back. Exactly yeah. on a brand new Tuesday. And before we get into our TV news, our movie news, our video game news, let's go ahead and drop a few of those shameless plugs. It's shameless plug time. That Juan Valdez and his trusty goat gather coffee beans every morning. Money is cool. Money is cool. And, uh, you know, something we talk about, obviously, if you're watching this, you can see in the bottom right-hand corner a little thing called Phoenix Media. Well, Phoenix Media is our overall network broadcast partner. And, of course, Tony and I do a show each and every day on Phoenix Media called the Christian Phoenix Radio Show. It's your daily dose of laughs and levity in a crazy, crazy world, and it's a little more of a variety show. Yeah, we talk a little geeky, nerdy stuff, but not quite to the same degree as we do here on this show. If you do want to check it out every day, every morning from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. Pacific time, just head over to phoenixmedia.us, or you can enjoy us from the comfort of your own home on the ngbn.tv app or on the go on the mobile app as well. Just download the app on your smart TV or your mobile device if Apple will let you. Obviously, Tony knows all about that. Um, (laughs) But while you're there, you can get this show and other great Phoenix Media shows on the NGBN.TV app or at phoenixmedia.us. Now, Tony, you are back doing another pop culture show every Sunday with our buddy Jimmy Jones. Why don't you tell folks about that? Yep. You guys can tune into Pop Culture Kaboom Radio Show every Sunday evening from 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Um, You can join us on KNVC.org, wherever you are at in this world. You can just chime in 
Listen live again, 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. Monday or on Sunday evenings. It's also uh, 95.1 FM KNVC Radio. Um, I do the movie segment with Jimmy and producer Josh. We do a weekly live review of the latest in gaming, collectibles, comic book, movies, television, conventions. If it's nerdy, if it's geeky, if it's trending, Jimmy will talk about it on Pop Culture Kaboom. But like I said, if you want to tune in, I do a movie segment with him, producer Josh. It's usually about the uh, 7.20 Pacific Standard. It's 8.20 my time I jump on. Uh, We talk about some horrible movie trailers we watch. Um, Have a fun take. And uh, the three-person dynamic is uh, quite entertaining. So uh, also was just told we had the highest rating show um, in the history of KNVC. Um, last uh, Sunday. So kudos to Jimmy and Pop Culture Kaboom. It's nice to be a part of it. But again, 95.1 FM or KNVC.org, Pop Culture Kaboom, like, subscribe, follow. Just like our Christian Phoenix Media show, like, subscribe, follow. Share it. Sharing is caring, as we say on the show. So there you go. Plug, plug, pluggity plugs. (laughs) And then, uh, you know, as we do in the first segment of this show, Proton Pack Podcast, you know, we've been talking reviews about, uh, you know, either the latest movies that are out or, you know, brand new shows that are coming out or that were just launched. Well, the review for today is a movie that Tony hasn't seen yet, but I figured, you know what, I'd go ahead and drop a little, uh, you know, thoughts on The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, which is the third installment of The Conjuring movie franchise. The Conjuring! And of course, you know, with the way the world is right now, you can either go to theaters to see it or catch it on HBO Max, which I did. Um, and kind of glad that I did it that way. You know, it is it is the third installment. It is the first one without James Wan as the director. James Wan did one and two, which were great. I mean, as far as modern horror movies, The Conjuring is pretty much the pinnacle of what people are looking for. But this third one, new director, yeah, you've still got Vera Farmiga, you've got Patrick Wilson who are showing up, um, but it had just a slightly different feel to it than the first two. It was a little less gritty, a little more polished, a um, little less on the, you know, the demon or what was, uh, um, you know, haunting whoever the person was and a little more on a human side of things, which was a neat little twist. But at the same time, um, you know, it, it didn't quite feel like the first two were. Now, with that being said, uh, the acting was great. John Noble is in it. John Noble is uh, Walter Bishop. If you ever watched Fringe, he's probably the standout performance in this movie. Had some good jump scares, had a good few frights, but uh, again, just doesn't quite meet that standard of the first two movies. Out of a 10, I would say eh, seven and a half out of 10, whereas the other two were probably eight, eight and a half. But, uh, you know, if it's something that uh, you were sort of on the fence, you know, just watch it at, at home on HBO Max. Maybe don't spend your money out at the theaters because there are a bunch of new movies coming out here in the next few weeks and uh, maybe save your money for those. But that's my two cents on it. Tony, I know you haven't seen it yet, but, uh, you know, just based on the review, are you going to see it in the theaters or are you going to uh, watch it on HBO Max, if at all? No, I'll watch it on HBO Max. I think that's probably the best way. I'll listen to your advice. I ignored your advice on Mortal Kombat, and uh, oof, Mortal Kombat <laughs> ended up being a pile of crap. So um, I did go see A Quiet Place 2 again this weekend on the uh, bigger XD Dolby Atmos. Whew, if you can see that, it was better the second time around. I enjoyed it a lot the first time. 
I enjoyed it way more the second time. So picked up little things and uh, it more jump scares happen when it's a lot louder. So uh, more people in the theater for that. Matter. Yeah, it was that was fun. But uh, I, I can't wait to see The Conjuring. Uh, uh, I look forward to watching it. I did enjoy the first two. So. Very cool. Well, folks, that does it for our movie review. When we come back, we've got TV news. So don't go anywhere. We'll see you guys in just a few. Behold my precious. Ooh, yeah, let me tell you something right here. Uh huh. It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah, with an exclusive loot on surprises delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy. <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude. Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box. Woohoo! Browsers! With crates starting as low as $11.99 per month, those are backs just about for all collectors. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's F-E-N-I-X media.us forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it. We are back, folks, with the Proton Pack podcast, episode 70. We just finished up our review of The Conjuring 3, and now it's time to get into a little bit of TV news. Bazinga. The cream of the crop. (laughs) Hey, baby. Let's go, Bob. Excellent. Hail to the king, baby. All right. Well, kicking off TV news, uh, you know, obviously we love the comic book adaptations, whether it's DC, whether it's Marvel, uh, especially when it comes to what they've both been doing recently for television. Now, I've got to ask you, Tone, were you big into the Sandman DC Comics series from writer? Uh, I just know about it. Never couldn't tell you too much about it. So I'm going to have to say no, just familiar with it, but never got into it. And it was never part of their mainstream comic books like Superman or Green Lantern or The Flash. It was uh, part of their, oh, what was it called? Um, oh, Eclipse series? No. Um, it was the a- one, it had its own special name. It was part of the Darker series. It wasn't, exactly. it wasn't like Dark Horse or Image, nothing like that. But it had its own variant uh Exactly. Wasn't wasn't along the line of DC, (laughs) but it was there. Yeah. Well, we know Neil Gaiman's been working on an adaptation of that for a long time. They recently did like an audio book version. Well, now Netflix has picked up a live action adaptation for an ongoing series with Neil Gaiman himself behind it. And the uh, writer of the seminal graphic novel series, uh, which is obviously coming to Netflix, just revealed more casting news. Here's what he had to say. After uh, every afternoon, I get an email telling me that there are dailies from the Sandman ready to be watched. It's the best bit of the day. Once every couple of weeks, I get an email letting me know that there's a finished episode waiting for me to watch it. It's the best bit of the month. 
The Sandman is being made and it's, well, it's the Sandman, which is the best thing of all. You know that the Sandman is based on my comic book series of the same name, a rich blend of modern myth and dark fantasy in which contemporary fiction, historical drama, and legend are more seamlessly interwoven. The Sandman follows the people and places affected by Morpheus, the Dream King, as he mends the cosmic and human mistakes he made during his vast existence. Red pill, blue pill. (laughs) Different Morpheus. You all know that Tom Sturridge is Dream of the Endless. Gwendolyn Christie is Lucifer. Sanjeev Bashkar and Ahmed Chaudhry are Cain and Abel. Charles Dance is Roderick Burgess. Vivian Akampong is Lucian. And Boyd Holbrook is the Corinthian. Only name I really recognize from there is Gwendolyn, uh, Gwendolyn Christie, but uh, they also released that um, uh, Patton Oswalt is the voice of Matthew the Raven and Stephen Fry is Gilbert. So a couple other big names for the Sandman series. Moda. Exactly. <laughs> and I'll check it out. I never really followed it. I've got uh, most of the first run just through a comic collection that I bought early on, but never really read it. So It'll be interesting to see. I love Neil Gaiman's novels, so uh, I'll check it out. What do you think, Tone? Are you going to check it out or are you going to pass on it? No, I'll check it out. I won't crap on it because it does have, even though it's a different Lucifer playing Lucifer, it's of the same character and origins. And In fact, that just came back on Netflix, the uh, B, the, what is it, season five, part B, you know, where they released the, the second half of it that just released on Netflix. And the Netflix series is fantastic. Um, I really enjoy it. It's a fun ride. And I know this is going to be slightly different, but you know, what's the worst that's going to happen. It, uh, it ends up being bad and you just don't watch it, but uh, I definitely check it out. I don't know what the people behind it, uh, you know, Netflix's track record for the most part, I think it could be pretty good. It should, and- should do better than Jupiter's legacy, right? Exactly. And the wow, same has what a bust. following as well. So, yeah. <laughs> well, let's move on to another comic book adjacent property, basically not part of DC or Marvel, but uh, Amazon Prime has released the first official look at former Supernatural star Jensen Ackles as Soldier Boy in The Boys. Ackles will make his debut as Soldier Boy in The Boys' third season. Laura Jean, LJ Shannon, and concept artist Greg Hopwood developed Soldier Boy's live-action look. Garth Enos and Derek Robertson created Soldier Boy in the comics, casting him as the leader of Payback, another superhero team, second in popularity only to the seven. Jensen previously shared photos of the boy set as he prepared to begin filming, but this marks the first time that fans have seen the actor in his superhero garb. And we'll post this on our Facebook page for you guys to check out. Here's what they had to say. Our goal was to highlight a bygone era of overt masculinity and grit. With the pedigree, we dove headfirst into baking in an all-American quality grounded in military soldiers' practicality with a heavy dose of old-school cowboy swagger, says Shannon. We knew that the actor had to have Steve McQueen looks and chops with a John Wayne attitude. Luckily, Jensen Ackles embodies all of that. Soldier Boy is a superhero created by Compound V in the 1940s. He's said to have fought in World War II, killing more than his fair share of Nazi soldiers. Afterward, he word he became one of the world's first superhero celebrities. To put it in Marvel DC analog terms, if Homelander is a twisted version of Superman, the Soldier Boy is a dark Captain America. And if you guys are watching the boys, you know that it takes those sort of classic story arcs from characters that we know and love, turns them on their head, and really, really makes it grotesque and violent and um, uncensored 
for sure. Uh, Tony, have you gotten into the boys yet? Uh, I've seen the, some of season one, but okay. I like it. It's just time restraints. I haven't gotten through it though. Well, I get I get sidetracked because there's other shows like Bad Batch and uh, Modoc and other other things I'm a little more in or like more inclined to watch right away. But the boys I did start and I really enjoy it. So and I know it gets better and better. So it does, and it's definitely not for the faint of heart. Like I said, it is a hard R type rating, very grotesque, but uh, you know a lot of fun at the same time, and it's. Yeah. Fun to see, you know, the superhero genre kind of turned up on its head, which, uh, you know, you don't get in the Marvel or DC universes. Here, you mm-hmm. certainly do. Yeah, you definitely don't shy away from that stuff. Nope. Bad choices, nope. lots of gruesome deaths. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's move away from the outskirts of superhero uh, television to, boy, the heart of superhero television, something we've been looking for. WandaVision and the Falcon and the Winter Soldier gave Marvel Cinematic Universe fans plenty to obsess over, and the next MCU series to debut on Disney Plus will be Loki, which we're all looking forward to. And it'll find Tom Hiddleston reprising his role as the god of mischief, who stole the Tesseract during the events of Avengers Endgame, and now has been imprisoned by the Time Variance Authority and forced to help them fix damaged timelines throughout human history. Previously, Marvel TV shows merely reacted to the events of their big screen brethren, but this new era of Marvel shows on Disney Plus is tightly woven into the very fabric of the franchise, with characters and events freely shifting between the two. Loki writer Michael Waldron has also brought in to work on the script of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness and was asked by Total Film if that means the two projects are more connected than we might believe. Waldron's answer is typical of those within Marvel fold. But he does tease that Loki may have wide-reaching ramifications for the entire MCU. He said, that would just be crazy conjecture. All of these stories in their own way are interconnected and have ramifications. I think that certainly our aim with the Loki series was for to have wide-reaching ramifications across the MCU moving forward. So, you know, was I having to clean up some of the messes that I made with Loki? Yeah, maybe so. So basically what it's telling us is that, uh, you know, this Loki series may be the setup, may be f- what we're looking towards with everything happening in phase four and phase five, especially with, you know, the multiverse, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, the new Spider-Man movie. And uh, we know that it deals with alternate timelines. How it plays into it? Well, we only have to wait a couple of days to find out. In fact, uh, as of the airing of this, you'll be able to see the first episode the next day on Wednesday, right, Tony? Yeah. Yep, starts tomorrow, so you can uh, check out the episode tomorrow. We will discuss it next week on our show, and uh, it'll be good. It it's just it's gonna be one of those shows that uh, we'll have our discussion after the shameless plugs. It's usually where we do the trailer stuff like that. Uh, Loki, I may I am just beyond excited. I can't believe we're already uh, we're already here this week, and uh, it's already the the first episode. I mean. Yeah. I'm looking forward to this. I I got a I have high hopes for this one. Like I had so WandaVision I didn't have high hopes for. I didn't know what to expect right. and I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah, the first two episodes I was kind of like I don't know about this, but man that show really kicked into high gear after every episode. Falcon and Winter Soldier, I had high expectations for cuz I'm like, oh, it's going to be that and it and it was good. 
but it wasn't like WandaVision was way better than Falcon and Winter Soldier. Right. So. Well, Falcon and Winter Soldier was a little more grounded. Obviously, it's based more in the Captain America universe, which you know plays more on history and real world events as opposed to the fantastical stuff that we saw in WandaVision and we're absolutely going to see here on Loki. Loki's going to be all over, man. I can't yeah. wait. The Tesseract, where he goes – uh, how the time uh, the time traveling goes and Owen Wilson's character it's gonna be fun man looks like uh, looks top notch I'm very excited for it and plus you know Tom Hiddleston is just great so he is and he, he's, he's made that character been- his own they could have been one and done with him after Avengers and you know they've made him essentially an anti-hero that you know fans absolutely love so this is great too it's my cousin Chloe's favorite character she was ticked when he you know, he met his doom in, in Endgame. But, you know, be due to the time traveling and stuff, There's a, this is a whole other version. You know, that timeline, Loki, yeah, he died. But this just shows, like, in the comic book world, if they tell a good story, you can bring the characters back and justify it. And, man, with Marvel having the right writers, the right producers, everything's – the show's going to be great. I, I, I haven't seen it yet. I already got good feelings about it. Well said, Tone. Well said. Well, folks, that does it for our TV news. When we come back, we're going to be talking weekend box office report and movie news. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. We are back, folks, to the Proton Pack podcast. Episode 70, we just finished up the TV news, and we're getting ready to head into some movie news, but not before we bring you the weekend box office report. Well, horror remained the biggest attraction this weekend, as The Conjuring the Devil Made Me Do It possessed the top of the box office with an estimated opening of $24 million. Ooh, I like turtles. A little bit slower start uh, than the previous two movies, which opened with about $41 million. And then the spinoff, The Nun, uh, was by far the best of the franchise with 53.8. But, uh, you know, as I said in the review, you know, I didn't expect it to get quite as big numbers just because it's available on HBO Max, different director. and uh, But it was enough to make it the number one movie of the weekend. Did you watch any of the spinoffs like The Nun and Annabelle? I've seen them all. I've seen them all. Yeah, for horror movies, they are are totally decent, you know. But I think The Conjuring themselves are are some of the best ones. Gotcha. Yeah, I've never seen any of the spinoffs. They look freaky, but. Yeah. And this one was directed by the same guy who did The Curse of La Llorona, which, again, was okay, but it didn't have that same grit as the first two Conjuring. So. Probably why this one won't do as well, but uh, you know, still within the family and uh, definitely makes up the, I don't know if they're going to make it a trilogy or, or do more of them, but uh, you know, still part of uh, the collective, I guess you could say. Yeah, Emma, it's, it's crazy. It, uh, it's uh, it, number one. I didn't think it would take number one this week. I thought A Quiet Place 2 would have held on. but Well, speaking of which, A Quiet Place 2. Second place, uh, PG-13 horror sequel brought in $19.5 million, uh, quite a bit down from last week. But with that being said, uh, you know, it's already made worldwide $118.1 million on a budget of uh, roughly 61. So it's made its money back. They're already planning a third one. And, uh, you know, that is a fantastic movie to see in theaters. Oh, it's, it's great. 
So you go see it. Do do yourself a favor. Definitely go see that. 88.6 so far. Not bad. Not bad at all. And then in third place was Disney's live action Cruella, brought another 11.2 million, bringing its domestic to 43.6, worldwide to 87 million. Of course, that doesn't count for the uh, premier access numbers, which right. I'm sure skyrockets that even more. And that's getting such good uh, reception that they're already planning a sequel to that one as well. Yeah, they're just, they're telling a good story with it. It's got Emma Stone in it, which makes me kind of want to see it, but at the same time, it's the relatability. We all know the cartoon character is being this hagamuffin that skins like puppies for skin, right? Like, right, yeah. Like I, I, That's not not a character I want to root for, even though it might be their version of Harley Quinn or what they're trying to play it off as. It's You can't tell. <laughs> I already know where this goes. Like, right. Create a character that you can care yeah. about. <laughs> yeah. You know, I can never care about this character, but I am a little intrigued to see this movie. A little bit. All right. All right. Yeah, I'll check it out when it's no longer on Premiere Access. Uh, yeah. But uh, moving on in our top 10, in fourth place, oh, I know you were waiting for this one, Tone. Spirit Untamed brought in $6.2 million, has the voice cast of Jake Gyllenhaal, Julianne Moore, Walton Goggins. Uh, it's a DreamWorks movie, but uh, did not look overly exciting to me for any reason whatsoever, but enough to make it fourth, right? Hey, I'm happy that it's out there for the kids to see, but uh, I didn't have a fart button ready. But uh, oh, there we go. That's that's my thought <laughs> of that. I I won't be seeing this. I, I have no interest in it. I can't blame you. And then finally, in the fifth place, so the weekend box office still hanging in there is Ryan the Last Dragon, brought in another one point three million. And as Tony uh, let me know before the show, it is now available as part of regular Disney Plus, no longer yeah. near access. And uh, something I will definitely be checking out in that case. Yeah, I definitely want to watch that. And kudos to it, man. It did fifty three point five. Not to mention what it did in Premier Access since March. It's impressive. Yeah. Exactly. And then rounding out the top 10, you had Wrath of Man with 1.27 million. You had Spiral from the Book of Saw with 890,000. In eighth place, Godzilla versus Kong with 463,000. Oh, fantastic. Ninth place, Demon Slayer the movie with 450,000. And then in 10th place, Dream Horse with 230,000. Never heard of Dream Horse. Like, is it like Spirit? Is it another horsey movie? Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. I don't know. But, uh, you know, there is a movie coming out in a week or two. It's a Pixar movie, Luca. Like, I'm, dis- I'm disappointed that Luca will not be in theaters. I I yeah. think they should do the same thing they're doing for uh, what they did with Raya, what they did with uh, Cruella. Still, you want to keep that on demand? I just feel Pixar gets kind of screwed on that because right now you look at Spirit Untamed, like 6.2 obviously didn't draw, but you know Luca, a Pixar movie, would draw big numbers. Right. I mean, <laughs> it's like a missed opportunity. Why? Why, why would you so not? Too. But, you know, it might boost some Disney Plus subscriptions, so you never know what their motivation is for it. At the same time, I'm just happy that we get a chance to see it when it comes out. No, I'm loving all these new movies. Um, what do we got coming out next week? Well, uh, next week, uh, yeah, uh, if, you're, uh, if you're a genre fan, go ahead and see what you haven't seen already because you've got In the Heights and Peter Rabbit too. Awful. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> no Not way. looking forward to either of those. But oh, my gosh. Weeks, things will get back on track. I was telling my friend. 
about in the Heights. I, I won't ever see that. It looks terrible. No. It looks God awful. I enjoyed Hamilton for what it was, but uh, I'm not going to go out of my way to see that. So, all right. No. Well, with box office report out of the way, let's go ahead and get into that movie news. And here we go. Are you the key master? Laugh it up, fuzzball. <laughs> Well, sticking in the realm of horror, which has obviously dominated the last two weekends of the box office, director, director Edgar Wright's horror film Last Night in Soho is arriving a year later than he intended due to the pandemic, but it's on track for an October 22nd, 2021 theatrical release, a lot of 20s in there. And the first trailer has finally arrived online, which makes it this week's trailer of the week. So let's go ahead and play that for you guys. It'll be the first time either Tony or I have seen it. So uh, you're going to enjoy it for the first time right along with us. Here we go. Last night in Soho. When you're alone and life is making you lonely, you can always go. When you've got troubles, all the noise and the hurry seems to help, I know. Just listen to the music of the traffic in the city. Time travel. Linger on the sidewalks where the neon signs are pretty. It's magic. The lights are much brighter there. You can forget all your troubles, forget all your cares, so go downtown. Things will be great when you're downtown. No funny place for sure. Downtown. Wake up! Everyone's waiting for you. Raccoon eyes. You know, knowing uh, Edgar Wright's visual style, his storytelling, how fun he makes things. Um, obviously, this isn't along the lines of Shaun of the Dead, which was a full on comedy with horror. Yeah. This is more of a true horror. Uh, it, it looks like an interesting ride. It comes out in the perfect time for a yep. horror movie, October. I'll check it out. Obviously, not super familiar with it, but uh, not the Waving Clown, but this movie. and Yeah the production behind it, but I love Edgar Wright. Uh, I enjoyed baby driver, which was more of a serious. It was a great movie. Yeah. I think that uh, this could be a fun ride and I'm looking forward to uh, learning more about it. 
Originality. I love it. You got to give, you got to give props. We bitch about this all the time. Like every, everything's a remake, a reboot, uh, or just a reimagining or whatever they're doing. Like I'm looking at you scream. We're not calling it scream five, <laughs> but it's, it's a new scream, but it has the same cast. Uh, exactly. Yeah. I don't know. To me, that's a sequel. Like it, it is, <laughs> but I digress. Um, that trailer looked trippy. Uh, the, the tone of it was great. It went from happy to, oh my gosh, it's time travel to what the hell is going on. She's living an alternate life in the past. Totally cool. The only problem I have with that trailer is kind of the end there, like with the cheesy hand coming out and the cheesy glass. Right. I don't know about that. That, that part looked a little meh, but... I will see this. It looked good to me. I would definitely go to a theater and see it. It, it looked good. Yeah, yeah. First time seeing it, it was a trippy uh, trailer. Looks interesting. So <laughs> I'm with you. Um, gotta get, I gotta get, I'm, I'm interested. So yeah, it'll be cool. And uh, you know, it's, it's Edgar Wright. I haven't found anything that I don't like of his yet. So uh, hopefully he continues that trend. Now uh, also in uh TV, sorry, movie casting news. This bit of news dropped here recently that uh, Warner Brothers dropped an updated press kit for The Matrix 4 that featured none other than Christina Ritchie's name. Wednesday! So despite dual theatrical HBO Max release date uh, being set for December 22nd, virtually nothing is known about the sequel. Well, nothing other than the fact that Keanu Reeves and Carrie Ann Moss are back as Neo and Trinity, despite both of them dying in The Matrix Revolutions. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Jada Pinkett Smith is also back as Niobe, while Yada uh, or Yaha Abdul Mateen II and Priyanka Chopra uh, are also joining the cast. So uh, you're going to get Christina Ricci. And of course, she was part of the Wachowski siblings, I guess you have to call them now, uh, Speed Racer movie as well. Are they doing a new Speed Racer? They're not. No, but oh, they did okay. a few years ago that they directed and yeah, I was gonna that. say yeah, that was a, that was an interesting movie that had uh, Jack from uh, Lost. Yes, yeah, yeah, he was like the main guy, and then it had the kid from what, Emil Hirsch, uh-huh. uh, the guy from the Girl Next Door. He was like yeah. the actual. That was a trippy movie. It was it was yeah. a little different. It was fun, but I think everybody expected a Matrix-type movie, which it wasn't. And then the Wachowski sort of fell out of the uh, limelight from there. But uh, I'm looking forward to Matrix 4 coming out uh, later this year to see you know, what they do, how they reweave the story, and hopefully it's as good as the original. They're not going up against John Wick 4 this time, right? No. Like, remember, it was originally supposed to be Memorial Day weekend. It was Keanu versus Keanu. Yep, they pushed that I, on. I'm glad they didn't do that. I mean, Keanu wins and the fans win, but yep. I hate when they pit big movie versus big movie. Like, dude, <laughs> look at your release date calendar. Look at your product to be like, could we beat that? Probably not. Why don't we? Why don't we just go over here? We can go have this weekend and and draw. And we can maximize the most out of our, our big budgets there. Exactly. I don't know why theaters don't. I don't know why studios don't think more like that. Who knows? Well, and then finally here in movie news, just a little bit of information that Seth Rogen's CG animated reboot of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles has a release date, but it won't be out for a while. Rogen announced on Twitter that it'll be out in theaters all August 11th of 2023. So we still have to wait a two full years before seeing it. But uh, I'm interested to see his take on it. Yes, he's a big fan, but you know his adaptations of things like the Green Hornet weren't exactly the best. 
but you know, I like turtles. Exactly. It's new turtles. And you know, with any luck, it'll, it'll be good. Hopefully. I hope. Uh, not everything, not everything Ninja Turtles are great. I'm just saying Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, the last live action movie, while they still looked freaky and they give you nightmares, I did enjoy that with Bebop, Rocksteady, and Krang. I, I yeah. thought that one was good. The first one was... A little cheese ball, but okay. Yeah, yeah it was Transformers meets Ninja Turtles pretty much. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, the, the last animated show, the 2012 series, was fantastic. There was a nice... Return, but man, rise and yeah, yeah. But it, but hey, we are getting a new Ninja Turtle video game. I know we're not in that segment, so I mean, if you find people like that that are big fans, and you know, if Seth Rogen could actually uh, hang out with Urkel and uh, <laughs> and, and uh, Snoop Dogg, and they all get together, you might be able to creatively get the juices flowing. You know, there you go, and the perfect segue tone as we head into our video game segment final segment of the show so folks stay with us we'll see you in just a few all right folks we've made it to the final segment of this proton pack podcast episode 70 we've got tv news out of the way we got movie news out of the way it's time to talk a little video game news now hey man you want to play some video games Well, after four years of teases and drip-fed information, the Atari VCS console will soon be available for purchase by the public beginning June 15th, 2021, about a week from now. The Atari VCS hybrid console... And accessories will be available only online at Best Buy, GameStop, Micro Center, and the official Atari VCS website. Atari has confirmed to IGN that these purchases are an official retail launch for the console rather than pre-orders. All Atari VCS consoles will come with a free copy of the Atari VCS Vault, which includes 100 arcade and Atari 2600 games. It will also include a digital storefront with over a dozen titles at launch from independent developers and access to game streaming platform AntStream Arcade. The console can be purchased on its own for $299.99. And while it doesn't come with a controller, it is compatible with PC peripherals. A separate wireless joystick and wireless controller will be available for $59.99 a piece, as well as a system bundle including all three for $399.99. GameStop and Best Buy bundle purchases will include an Atari speaker hat, while Micro Center and official website purchases will come with a free digital copy of Missile Command Recharge. Tony, I know, uh, obviously, over the years, you've collected different consoles, usually from the big names. Is the Atari VCS something that you're going to add to that lineup? Negative. Uh, Reason why is I feel like this system has been delayed for at least three years, three or four years this was announced. And I think if it would have come out back then, it would have fared well. But you're up against the PlayStation 5, the Xbox One SX, whatever it's called, right? The super (laughs) next-gen, next-gen systems are so hard you can't even get them, right? And then you've got Nintendo Switch Pro right around the corner from being announced. Exactly. Bad timing on this part. Nostalgia aside, the nostalgia factor is all that really has going on for it here. But you're not including a controller. Yay, I'm glad you're including the VSS Classics Pack with 100 uh, old 
Atari 2600 games. That's a smart idea. That's good on them. Price points too high, 299, way too much. And the games that are digitally going to be downloaded are things you can currently get on your Xbox One, your PS4, your Switch. Why not? Like my thought is, if you're a hardcore gamer, you're probably like a hardcore gamer collector, I should say, or a nostalgic, like super all about nostalgia and an Atari fanboy. I could see you wanting to add this, but for me, there's just so many things about this that just doesn't scream good deal. So yeah. I'm going to have to say no on it, man. They would have been better off releasing this as like one of the classic systems. Like they did the Nintendo classic, yeah. the Nintendo classic, the, uh, the Sega Genesis where, yeah, you, you know, preload it with a bunch of old Atari games and then, you know, make it, make it like a, a super powered classic version where, yeah, you can connect it to the internet. You could get some extra peripherals all for $129. Not yeah. $300. Yeah, if they would have if they would put their price point to be about 100 to 150 and included a controller, this could be a little bit more appealing to the consumer. But you're asking them to drop 299 with no controller. Do for almost 100 more bucks you can move up to the next gen systems. And I'm talking the the next Xbox and the uh, PS5 if you can get your hands on those. Yeah. I I'm I just I think it's bad, bad marketing, man. Bad marketing, bad pricing. We'll see how they do in, in just a week. Yeah, I wish them. I wish them luck. It looks nice, yeah. um, but uh, I just don't have a lot of nostalgia for the Atari Twenty Six Hundred. I played. That was our first console as kids. That's what my parents too. had. Yep. Um, I have very fond memories of playing Pitfall, Pac Man, uh, Kaboom, things like Broder. that. Yeah, they were great for their time. I'm not going to go fire those games up today because. They just don't hold up well. Exactly. Yeah. They, they just, they don't. Pac-Man does, but I play a more modernized version of Pac-Man, you know, like uh, Championship Edition, things like that. Right. You can yeah. still play, but. <laughs> well, now you mentioned that, uh, you know, obviously the next gen systems, one that we are waiting for is Nintendo Switch Pro, mm -hmm. which we don't have all the details about, but we might be getting the details here next because. Week. Nintendo has confirmed its plans for E3 2021. The company will host an E3 Nintendo Direct on Tuesday, June 15th, the final day of E3 2021. The showcase begins that day at 9 a.m. Pacific. It's expected to run for about 40 minutes and will feature information focused exclusively on Nintendo Switch games for 2021 and beyond, though most of the titles discussed will be 2021 games. You can watch it all live, and uh, obviously you won't want to miss any of the announcements. After the event, there will be a Nintendo Treehouse live showcase that will include about three hours of gameplay footage, presumably from the games shown off during the direct uh, broadcast. This is all standard stuff for Nintendo, as the company historically hosts its own E3 briefing on the final day of E3 after Microsoft, Ubisoft, and others. The Treehouse series is also something that Nintendo has been operating for years. It normally features developers and hosts talking about the latest Nintendo games and showing off gameplay. Tony, with just a minute left, uh, what do you expect to see in this announcement for E3 from <laughs> Um, I, I think what you'll hear from them is definitely a lot of uh, Legend of Zelda news. It's the 35th anniversary. I'd anticipate you'd get a announcement of an all-star pack, kind of like we got Mario anniversary, but they may pull that off. They may announce Breath of the Wild 2, um, hope, uh, some Metroid Prime 4 news. Um, I'm hoping they announce uh, 
Nintendo Switch Pro. I hope they do something better with their uh, gaming market. Like as much as I like the Nintendo Online, the Switch Online uh, free games, give me the option to buy licensed games like Turtles in Time, the Simpsons, Bart's Nightmare, things like that that were fun on the Super Nintendo so I could take on the go. Add Game Boy, add Nintendo 64, things like that. I could go on and on about this. I know we got about 10 seconds, but I look forward to discussing this more next week. But those are the things you can expect. A few things I hope. I would hope a new Punch-Out would be announced, but I highly doubt it. That would be very cool. But we've only got a week to wait. So, you know, until then, folks, you know, check us out online. You can find us everywhere on social media, Proton Pack Podcast. We will be posting these stories for you guys to check out for yourselves. And uh, we will be back next week with a uh, brand new episode. So until then, Tony, go ahead and uh, take us out. All right. Thanks for remember, like, subscribe, share. And uh, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Let us know below what games you're looking forward to on Nintendo. Are you excited about Atari? How about The Conjuring? Give us a review. Participate. We'll give you shout outs. Thanks. Like, subscribe. Peace. I am. Hasta la vista, baby. That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. Woo! Mommy, where's Fluffy? Goodbye.